Hello there. How are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to episode 19 of the Kevin Doherty podcast. <laughs> Am I joking? Welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode 19 of the Hey Look Listen podcast with myself, <laughs> Jonathan Morrissey, uh, and of course, my two fine gentleman friends, Ona Rudin and Liam Sheehan. How are you folks doing? Good. We have to uh, congratulate you, Morrissey. That's what this part is going to be. Oh, wow. Your girlfriend is now your fiance. So yeah. Keep going. No, that's it. That's all again. Okay. That's all again. Well, thanks, gents. Yes. Uh, I know we don't like to talk about our life updates very much in the podcast, but yeah, I have gotten engaged um, to a lovely local lady. Uh, from a fine fam- from a fine family. Was it like an auction uh, or something? Both yeah. <laughs> families agreed. How many sheep did you trade? <laughs> the lords of the manor were pleased. Um, but yes, thank you very much. Very exciting times. Uh, thank you an awful lot. Um, let us start off as we usually do uh, by asking you about what you're playing. But I'd also like to hear what you're looking forward to playing next as well, as there's been quite a few announcements with some some exciting stuff coming down the line. Also, also, Marcy, didn't you say, um, sorry, now you have to indulge me here. Didn't you say you got some correspondence during the week of um, a stranger complimenting the podcast? I did, uh, actually. Which is uh, amazing. It's very cool. Someone reached out from work, um, sent me a ping. Uh, I will say they didn't say hello or anything, just kind of went straight into uh, <laughs> the podcast. Um, but yeah, I just commented how much they enjoyed the Last of Us episode. Yeah. But they'd also actually... Uh, one other person also highlighted something as well I want to talk about, Liam. Um, I hope it's not to take away from your point here. Um, but they talked about how I had played Final Fantasy IX for the podcast and how you hadn't played Football Manager yep. yet. Oh. That was actually me for the podcast. That was, yeah, that was actually yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Well, actually, listen, listen up, all you angry viewers. I'm actually, um, I'm actually living in Sweden now, which is a, a yeah. little thing. We're still an aggressively Irish podcast but actually none of us are in the the motherland at the moment he so i actually picked up a, a managerial job with a division two <laughs> <laughs> no it's just that i have a better setup here now i'm I, i'm still getting myself sorted in this new place but um i'll do it i'll do it but you, you got to keep them wanting i don't i think it, i think it's the best narrative arc our podcast has is like oh will liam play football manager w- w- will he like it <laughs> those are the questions <laughs> those are the questions the fans are asking but but marcy um marcy you showed us the message this um, person sent you and we're and we get very we're such a small outfit we get so giddy when we get random compliments like that but he also stated um um how he couldn't believe our attitude towards the halo franchise and um i want i wanted to lean into that and i, I wrote a few halo jokes that be, would that be all right oh wow okay uh, yeah ready? please please go ahead yeah Halo ODST, remember that game? More, yes. More like Halo. I have PTSD because I have to play another derivative first-person shooter on Xbox. Halo Reach, more like Halo. It's a reach to think that I give a shit about the expanded universe of the Star Wars for military buffs. <laughs> just, just so everyone knows, he has not. This is the first time you've heard these jokes. I'm, I'm, I exactly. I'm like, fuck. We should have vetted this shit. <laughs> the flood. They're an alien race in Halo. <laughs> the flood, more like the flood, more, <laughs> more like the flood of racism and misogyny that sprouted from the online gaming culture of Xbox, exemplified by Halo. 
I like that one. Master Chief more like Masturbation Chief. All right. All right. right. I actually haven't really played Halo. I haven't really played Halo, but I think that could be a thing. (laughs) Fucking hell, man. (laughs) I hope for any listeners out there that this isn't your first episode of the Halo System (laughs) podcast. It usually starts off much differently. You know what? I I really Um, want to like Halo. Can I just put that out there as well? I love first-person shooters. And... I really, really wanted to like that franchise. It had, a, a re, you know, the, the recipe was, you know, totally up my alley. It just didn't connect with me, right? It just didn't connect with me. Like, if, me someone did, if someone did that to me, you know, those were just kind of fake jokes. But if someone did that to me with What's Halo... I, or with, What's the definition of a fake I, I, joke? <laughs> anyway, if someone did that to me with like Zelda or something, I'd brood on it for days. So I'm just hoping I can get some Halo fans with that one and they'll be really annoyed. Controversy will make us popular. Last time I show you any messages that people send me uh, about the podcast. So, Owen, we start with you. What are you playing right well, now? First of all, I think you've subverted the expectations of anyone who is listening to this podcast because that's not what they're used to. Um, no. It's actually, a, you know, I've been in a rut. I've been in a, a bit of a gaming rut. I started, I think last time on episode 18, I said that I had started uh, Psychonauts 2. Um, but just given how life has kind of turned its head on me, it's it's uh, it's been really, really busy and I haven't had the, the time to play anything. But today that is changing, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I bought Ring Fit Adventure over. <laughs> over That's a good idea. Such a good idea. It is. It's such a good idea. <laughs> no, no, no. So so we're on this. Uh, I didn't I don't think I said it here. I don't think I told you guys either, but we we bought a Peloton and I've been playing essentially the game of cycling life which has been super fun. Um, But then we were like, oh, what other interactive ways can we, um, uh, you know, approach fitness? And I was showing my girlfriend. It was sex doll. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) We we can edit that out. Keep keep going on. So, yeah, we we got a sex doll. Uh, Yeah, no, so I showed her uh, Ring Fit Adventure. I read, like, an article of, like, 25 people whose uh, health completely changed as a result of playing the game. Well, wow. and I showed it to her. I was like, you know what? This is actually meant to be pretty decent in terms of you know. I would say I have a you know a, a decent uh, level of fitness, but even people who you know are gym goers um, and who work out regularly apparently struggle with uh, ring fit. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's give it a go. So we have that outside, and then last Friday, I had it was almost like a Liam Sheehan GameStop experience when. I went. I went in, and I was like, "I'll take one copy of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, please, for my Nintendo Switch." And they were, and yeah, they were like, yeah. "That has not come out physically, sir. You can only buy it online." I was like, "Oh, for fuck. I'm like, you know what, Liam? The that's one time, that's humiliating. The one time that I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy a game physically, um, and it isn't even available. So uh, I have that purchased. I have it on my Switch, and I'm I'm looking forward to playing a." A robust and lengthy Dragon Ball Z RPG experience, Marcy. That's very exciting. I love, I love exciting, me Dragon Ball. Yeah. <clears throat> you do, what don't you? Of, what kind of health-related video games have you been playing? Oh uh, no, no! I've just been playing video games where you can you just have to sit down on on, on my fat ass. <laughs> no, I play. <laughs> I, um, I finished um, a game. Owen mentioned there. I finished Psychonauts two. Oh, did you? And I also, I, yeah, yeah. And I played Psychonauts one beforehand as well. Um, Psychonauts is a uh, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite games, but it's like an absolute gem of a game, a kind of a completely cult, a complete cult following from the mid 2000s um, that kind of grew over. It didn't sell, it sold fuck all, but then 
became really popular over the years. Um, I've always been a bit of a party pooper about it because as good as it, it's such a wealth of ideas and creativity, but I always thought the game was a little bit, a little bit janky. Like just better platformers out there. So, so the second one is an improvement in the gameplay, gameplay um, aspects, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the central premise is your kid who can, who goes into people's brains, and that's where the levels take place. And I've always thought that was a genius bit of uh, uh, game design because you get to tell the stories through the level design that way. You get to te- you know you get to kind of explain who these characters are through the levels that you're jumping around in and inhabiting. And that's always been genius. Psychonauts 1 is a bit more whimsical. 2 is very much trying to be empathetic. It's very much kind of cl- clearing people's kind of, you know, um, whatever's ailing them. And I thought it was very good. Um, I think Owen mentioned last week that it felt like it felt like a game from 2005, which is, I think is a good thing and a bad thing. It's kind of refreshing because I think there's some habits. Gaming, these game design these days is better. But there are some habits that I don't always like. So it was kind of refreshing to go like, oh my God, I'm back, at, I'm back playing a, a, a platform game from the mid-2000s. There's a hub world you can explore and then get, before you go into all the levels. And I was like really feeling it. I was, I was like really like uh, enthusiastic. But there is some kind of bits that I'm kind of glad games don't do anymore. Like all the little bits you have to collect in each level. I'm just like, oh my God, there's too many. There's too much collecting. The collecting gets, gets way too bad in it. But um yeah, it's very good. I just like it's really cool that Double Fine, the guys who made it, they got to make their own their, this game. Took years. Different companies kind of had it, or sorry, passed it passed hands to different companies, but they got they got to make it their true um, vision. And it's like a big long game, and with a graphics that kind of finally kind of can meet their amazing art style. So it was cool game, flawed, but I I had a great time playing it. Absolutely, that's great. awesome. I will quickly uh, just talk about what I've been playing because I've been playing three different games oh my. right now. Yeah, um, just playing games every moment I have free. Uh, so playing Final Fantasy IX. Uh, I am uh, out in the outer continent. Um, it's still really enjoyable, still lots of fun, but boy, oh boy, does it crash a lot. Um, really? I'd say for every hour, it's bizarre. Yeah. And the bigger the save file gets, the more it's happening. So I'd say I, maybe if I play for like an hour or two, it probably crashes at least twice, which is a bit disappointing. So I'm kind of starting to think maybe it's time to stop and p- maybe buy it for PC or, or, or get an older copy or something like that. But the other two games I'm playing are interesting ones because I don't think we've talked about them much on the podcast. I know me and Owen might be about to enter into a little bit of a debate here, which is exciting. Um, but the first is y- Yakuza. Have either of you folks oh, played any of the Yakuza yeah, games I, before? I've played Yakuza Zero. It's the only oh, one I've so played. That's the one I'm playing. So th- yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. No, I've never played a game that has <laughs> the most bizarre up and down turns of tone of a video game I've ever played. You could be going from like a 30 minute deadly serious uh, cutscene uh, talking about you know the Yakuza and Mafia and someone being murdered to just playing a karaoke minigame uh, mm-hmm. for five minutes, um, which is really, really awesome. Um, but the game I'd love to chat to, to Owen about uh, is uh, 12 Minutes, um, which I basically finished yesterday in like, in like one sitting. Um, if you don't know what 12 Minutes is, I actually can't remember the name of the publishing studio. Maybe you guys might know. Annapura, is that what they're called? Yeah, it's, a, it's an Annapura. Yeah, they're amazing. They do almost, almost, yeah. almost any indie game I boot up these days. It seems to have them um, on the, on the cover like, of it. They're like, like they're, the they're, A24. They're of video games yes mm-hmm. but they're not they're only awesome. games they're like a multi uh, medium thing they do films and everything as well but this this little game absolutely wonderful uh, and endorsed by Hideo Kojima uh, in a big That's way right. um it basically is just about you 
being in this little apartment from this kind of really cool top-down view and uh, the same 10 to 12 minutes uh, being replayed again and again while you try to figure out what's happening. I really don't want to say any more than that because it's so easy to spoil that game. Um, I love it. I think it's one of the best games I've played in the last couple of years. Cool. Oh, and you said you hated it. In a voicemail. I don't know why you left and me a voicemail. He sent you that really questionable gift as well, which I don't think he did. Yeah. You can't really send stuff to that anymore, can you? No, I'm, I don't know how no. you got, how you could get that gift. Yeah. I yeah, don't know where yeah, you found yeah. it. But, um, but what are your thoughts on it? I'd love to hear them. Um, so it was, I remember seeing the first preview for, the, for this game. It was at one of the E3s, and I was like, holy shit, this is totally on my alley. Like a, a single location adventure game and you know Liam and I have spoken about our love for like the Monkey Island series Grim Fandango all of these old school LucasArts um, adventure games so I was like oh perfect I'll easily easily love this then it went away for like two years because clearly they thought they had something you know pretty great and they shoehorned in uh, Daisy Ridley Willem Dafoe and James McAvoy into the voice cast because you know I don't think this game would have probably been as successful if they didn't have the big stars na- big star names attached to it because it's a bit derivative. Um, it is as so let me let me preface my experience with it, Marcy, and it's kind of similar to where your headspace is now with Final Fantasy Nine, which is game was our twelve minutes when it launched available on Game Pass, and I'm assuming that's probably how you played it as well. So great, already have my subscription, dive in, you know, that automatically helps because I haven't dished out 25 bucks, 30 bucks for a small game like that. So enjoyed my first 30 minutes with it. I would say I, so I didn't, I probably got like 70% uh, of the way through the game. And the reason why I didn't finish it is because it just crashed and crashed and crashed and crashed. And a game like that, where you're stuck in a time loop to begin with, the crashing time yeah. time loop for me was just like holy fucking shit. Um, two things, right? Two things, and you know that that's all I'll say about it. Really, uh, one is it's the biggest quality of life thing was not being able to. You have to kind of sit down every single time and repeat everything, start to finish, when you know you have the solution, and you have to wait a certain amount of time for the scenes to play out so you can implement your um you know your tactic or you know where you need to take your character yeah. you you know where to you know where to go and you know i will preface like this entire game the genius behind it is kind of also its downfall which is like you know there are the smallest details in how each variation of that full scene plays out but yeah you know if you want to go from point a to point c you need to sit through b and it's very very annoying it's kind of like if you had given me the option to end this conversation so i can go and do the thing and you fast forward me in time to that point granted the game probably be like an hour long at that stage um and so there was that um and i found that really really just kind of annoying um and then even though it had the big names attached to it it was kind of jarring because they didn't give the voice actors much to actually play with. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah, kind of like, that's why that, did, yeah. like, why did any of these people sign up? Like it, it, I'm just like, you easily could have just got a standard voice actor to do this. There wasn't, you know, 
nothing required a massive amount of meat behind the performance. No. And particularly that James and Daisy, they both did American yeah. accents. You couldn't really even tell who they were. Like, Defoe was good, but you are right. There, there wasn't too much... There wasn't as much dialogue as I would have expected, and it wasn't as well written. And I think, I I, yeah, I think that was, the, I think that was the thing as well. Like, I, I loved the, the some of the, it had all of the things we love and hate about adventure games, as in like, why would anyone put this in this location? But half the fun is kind of finding, finding out, right? It's just the fact that I had to sit through, like, and it, granted, it was only three or four minutes. But the thing is, the time loop is so. It's it's not quick enough that you get back into it straight away and it's like, okay, I can I can expedite this. Yeah. It's it's uh you know, twelve minutes and the day resets. It's if it was even ten minutes, I guarantee you that that experience for me would have been just like much better. Um Yeah, that that's fair. It it does have a fast forward feature, which I also thought was quite poorly yeah. implemented. I'm not sure yeah, you, you couldn't you could only kind of fast forward like two or three seconds at a time as opposed to holding it and flying through an entire conversation. Um, I, yeah, yeah that, no, I, I, to be honest, it's one of those things, Marcy. It's like, I think I would love to see... I, so Hideo Kojima, or Kojima's sentiment about it was like, it was one of the best games he's played in forever. And it, it makes him want to create his own style adventure game after playing it. And I love... Well, that's what he, that's what he, that's what he used to do. That's what yep. he can kind of um, started, well after Metal Gear the original Metal Gears he made Snatcher and Police Knots and stuff like that they were mm-hmm. kind of adventure games yeah and I from this it's kind of like one I want to see what those guys do next right they're now on the radar for me it was like probably like you know maybe they're they're ex-devs of somewhere else but like this is their first independent go so I'm excited to see where they go next with a bit of more time and money and then I'm excited to see what everyone else will do as a result of having the inspiration for for this hopefully you know we, Again, right? It was like we, I think on our Walking Dead episode, I think it was, um, where we said, what's the next evolution of the adventure game? And this is kind of like, it was one of those experiments. It's like, put the adventure game in a 500 square foot apartment. And that yeah. is the game. So, you know, uh, you know, it's not that I, I didn't fucking text you and say I hated it for God's sake. Uh, was a voice we were doing a bit. We were doing a bit. Um, yeah. yeah, so like, I, I didn't complete it. The game crashed on xbox for me man like you like you wouldn't believe it was so frustrating oh did you you played on a controller as well eh? oh yeah d- like and that was my fault that, that was my i heard fault. that's not yeah, great yeah it's not, it's not great so you know what i'll go back marcy i'll go back and i'll play it on my pc yeah same time on or you're playing uh that liam can boot up uh football manager bit of footy put that to bed but let us actually talk about the video game that the episode is about um today so uh, if you tune into last week uh, we did the last of us part one um please check that out um and i'm actually going to say for the first time ever really a uh, bit of a spoiler warning here yeah um because it is it's a little bit more of a recent game yeah um, good, good shout yeah good shout you know yeah. we are and it's a very hard game to talk about without getting into kind of real key details well the, um, the, the interesting things to talk about are all in the spoilers really aren't exactly they? yeah, yeah. Uh, and that game is the last of us part two <gasps> Um, so, uh, 2020 action adventure game developed by uh, the wonderful folks at Naughty Dog and published by Sony Interactive for PS4. Uh, it's set five years after the first Last of Us, um, with the game focusing on two playable characters in a post-apocalyptic United States. Um, that is Ellie, uh, who is setting out for revenge after suffering suffering a terrible tragedy, and Abby, a soldier who becomes involved in a conflict between her militia and a religious cult. Uh, upon its release, it received critical acclaim for its uh, with praise for its gameplay 
audio design, score, performances, and visual fidelity, though its narrative and the representation of a transgender character polarize critics and players alike. Part 2 is one of the best-selling PS4 games of all time and the fastest-selling PS4 exclusive, uh, with over 4 million units sold in its Mm. release weekend. Uh, It also holds the record for the most Game of the Year awards and received multiple other accolades from awards shows and gaming publications. So, um, to start us off uh, chit-chatting about this wonderful game, um, we spent a lot of time last week talking about kind of the the start of uh, the first, you know, Last of Us Part 1 and how that really kind of made such an impression. So maybe I'll, I'll go to you, Liam. Love to kind of hear about your first impressions of playing Last of Us 2, those first couple of hours um, where kind of the rug is very much pulled uh, from underneath your feet. Well, will it be okay to talk, use this as an opportunity to talk about the ending of The Last of Us 1 as well, which we didn't really mm-hmm. talk about properly? Because yeah. I, think, I think The Last of Us 1 has, not just in video games, in anything I've ever seen or read, one of the most perfect endings. Like just an absolute exceptional um, piece of writing in, ter- in terms of how they decided to wrap up that story and it's an ambiguous ending in a lot of ways it's um joel has chosen ellie over the world if you want to simplify it he, he wants to, rather than sacrifice her life to potentially make a cure he saved her and then he's lied to her about it saying that there was never a possibility for a cure and it ends on the kind of he he she asks him is that really what happened and he says yes and you don't know how she feels about it. It's, it's up to the players, kind of, um, whatever. The, each, each player thinks differently, I've found, over the years. Mm. Like, it, does she believe him? And just, just choosing to kind of be okay with it? Does she, like, not just... Or does she kind of know he's lying, but it's kind of like, oh, but this is Joel, so the most important per- person in my life. I have to go along with what he says. There's many kind of ways to look at it. So it almost felt sacrilegious <laughs> to get a sequel to that ending, you know, because <laughs> it's kind of like, why? That is a perfect story. So... It's a perfect story with a perfect bow on the end of it, and uh, I was never—I never wanted a Last of Us um, sequel. I just thought, like, why? But God, I, in my opinion, they found a good reason to return to that world. But it did start, like I said, it, it felt sacrilegious to start answering questions into this is how Ellie feels about it. This is how Ellie feels about that final scene, the end, and finding stuff like that out. But that all happens like way later. The beginning of Last of Us Two puts you back into Joel's shoes immediately, and opens in one of the loveliest scenes ever where he's like it's not the very first scene but when he's playing the song for her on the guitar like you marcy you talked oh, about yeah. it in the last episode i believe so yeah. i remember thinking i remember thinking i've said this before but final fantasy 7 remake was my big 2020 give me that game please uh and last of us kind of last of us two kind of floated to the back of my head but um i was so sucked into that world within 10 minutes that i think i played it for 10 hours on the first day i got it yeah, I was I was similar, I because I think like I think we both got it the 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 Friday or the Tuesday that it was released, Liam. Because I, rem- yeah, I, I remember so. having that conversation. Right, it was we were in the the height of COVID at that stage. We were like in the middle mm-hmm. of lockdown. That's when you fucking you know you couldn't go outside and you couldn't go indoors to any other places except you know essential. You know, and I think Marcy, that's why you had stayed clear of playing it from its initial release, right? <laughs> Yeah, I just found, um, I knew it was going to be heavy. Uh, I knew it was going to be almost not art imitating life exactly, but we were living in a weird apocalyptic kind of situation at the time, right? Just the life felt really, really weird. So yeah, I was always kind of putting it out to the, pushing it out and pushing it out. But I remember the two of you guys had to like create, like go into a side chat. Yeah. uh, Like a side chat to really talk about it. So yeah, so I I get the excitement. Yeah, like, you know, for me, I... I was less about the 
you know, I, I'm the listeners of this show know that I'm probably a bit of a super fan around a naughty dog as a game developer. Um, you know, I think they're just one of, one of the um, developers out there who push the medium of what you're able to portray in a video game. Um, you know, a blend of cinematic um, emotion and action and giving the actual autonomy to the player when, you know, it's right and it, and it makes sense. So whilst I was, um, you know, skeptical about a sequel um, to one of my favorite video games of all time, it was one of those worlds that it's so rich that, you know, Mm. I gave, you know, empirical trust to Naughty Dog and uh, Neil Druckmann and that team um, to do what they what they want. Um, And. I think one of the interesting things about The Last of Us uh, as a whole is uh, dividing the ownership that the players think they have over these characters versus how much the developers actually know them. So a lot of the discourse around Last of Us Two about you know why there you know there was some negative connotation and what some people liked and didn't liked um, is kind of like I compare it to to Star Wars. Um, you know, I'm able to kind of step back and say, I don't own these characters and I'm kind of here for the ride. So you take me on mm. the ride that you want to take me on. Um, mm. And, you know, that's for me, that's kind of what I got with The Last of Us 2. And I, you know, loved a lot, almost like 95%, 96% of that game. There are elements that, you know, I would argue you could retract and, you know, tighten it up um, a small bit. But, you know, the first impressions of that thing, Marcy, like every time with a Naughty Dog game is like when you boot that up, um, like atmosphere, graphics, like that world um, and seeing the the like the evolution of, you know, Last of Us to The Last of Us Remastered, then from like Mm. Uncharted 4, which is still one of the greatest looking games of all time to then actually playing The Last of Us 2 on my base PS4, which sounds like a fucking jet plane. Whenever you you know just boot up a, a menu, to to seeing how uh, high fidelity that game was was just unreal. And I like Liam, I was so sucked into that world and where they wanted to take me that I was man, I was the ten to twelve hours on the first day as well. You know, I think Liam, both of us, two three days max to actually complete. I did it, it in three days. I did. I did it in three ten. That's I know, this was, I have done this in my past with games, but this was like you said, on this was a special. Special is not the best word, maybe. This was a weird time where we didn't have much to do. So I did three 10-hour sessions of that game over three days and finished it. That's wild to me. I, 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 I stretched it out probably over a month, I would say. Yeah. But yeah, that's such a good point in regards to the world because the minute I booted up, even from the, the, the still menu of kind of the boat just kind of swaying in the water, reminding me of kind of you know, the... Uh, the window and the curtain from uh, the the title screen of last the first yeah yeah, yeah yeah um it just felt like just like putting on a warm a warm depressing jacket again um, <laughs> you know what I mean that I, that I I was used to wearing um and look I, I I hate to call it call it out but I have to because I I was into it a few hours I was texting you guys and enjoying it. I was getting really, really excited about playing, you know. And Kamarasi, can we preface this? Like, we have, we've actually said, my, my girlfriend on our way back from her parents' house were like, oh, what are you discussing on the next podcast episode? The podcast episode? And I was like, oh, The Last of Us 2. And she's like, oh, has like Marcy played? It was like, man, we have told you not to tell us what you think of the game yeah. until we record this episode. So this is fresh for Liam and I. 
we've yeah we've actually been setting this up <laughs> ourselves <laughs> yeah it's now kind of kind of accidentally <laughs> oh marty's playing yeah. last of us too and then he'll tell us how 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 he feels about it on podcasts please don't yeah, tell they, us in real life they haven't talked to me at all um, <laughs> no it's tough uh it was, especially around my engagement and my birthday it was quite lonely actually um but no so i, I really was i was just excited to play it i was like lights off you know the, the mood set candle lighting not really um oh but just really really excited to play it and then they fucking kill joel man i'm just gonna say that uh i've never honestly in all the years of playing games I, I just didn't see it at all um is it coming like yeah i, I, yeah. I really didn't going back maybe i probably should have had an idea that they would they would need to do something like this for a sequel um but what were, what were your reactions to that? Because I genuinely, and this sounds like it's great when Owen talks about us not owning the characters. My initial reaction yeah. was angry and mm-hmm. I'm like, and kind of disappointed. Like that's I don't good. get to play. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's an amazing reaction to pull out of someone uh, playing a game like that. But I really was kind of like, oh, fuck, I don't get to play as Joel now for the rest of the game. That, that That's disappointing. That's frustrating. Really? What, what, what were your thoughts upon, uh, upon seeing well, that? It's, it's a brutal, unheroic mm. death as well. You yeah. It's not the kind of death you're used to in, in something like this, especially towards like a beloved character. And I think anger and disappointment are perfect words to describe because I think that's what they were trying to wring out of you, which is the thing that I don't think many players, and I really do want to talk about the reaction to Last of Us 2, maybe in the tail end of this um, thing. I think it's something that a lot of players were not able to get over. And I'm not saying that as with any criticism or anything. It's just, it's just a simple fact. I don't know if that means they did it really well. I know some people have problems with the setup of that scene, which I mm. completely disagree with, to be honest, um, that they weren't able to get over. But I think it was like I could feel it in my stomach, Marcy. Yeah, it was it was just unpleasant. It was wrong. And it was so sad. Yeah. And it was so violent. And it was brutal. Yeah, like you you don't have a main character from a previous game get his head caved in by a golf club. That's not that's not the way you do it. And it, it was, and and a year of ruminating on that game. Now I think it's a fucking masterpiece of um, a gaming moment, and just utterly brutal. I love it, and particularly because he, as a character, Joel, because he's playing this father figure to Ellie the entire time. I'm not going to say he's a father figure for me or any of us, but it was very much like uh, you just felt a very strong connection between. Uh, he's brilliantly written. He yeah, was brilliantly really written is. in the first one. He just uh, few gaming characters more brilliantly written than him, and he's like, incredibly complicated. Obviously, um, I would call him an antihero. In yeah, the first one. I think people have different yeah, different opinions about about his yeah. morals. Um, but Liam, I think I think that's, the I that think game. that's perfect, right? Because in that moment, you and and the you know throughout the the setup and and the build up, which I totally agree with you. I think it was totally within character and within context of where they were at that time in that world. Um, it is this moment. It was shock. It, you know, it was sadness. It was anger. It was everything. But at the same time, for me, it was realization, right? It's, it's, you take off the rose tinted glasses to a certain degree. And, you know, Joel talks about all of these things that he's done throughout his journey. And it kind of made, at that point, you do realize um, well, I did that, you know, the, like life catches up for, to you for doing these horrible things. And if people wanted to, um, uh, you know, give that certain level of revenge, the shit that Joel has done, you know, will catch up. And, you know, that, that's that's what's yeah. going to happen. And then it's at that point that it did kind of hit me, as Liam said, it's like 
Joel is a bit of an anti-hero or um, is, you know, people had the argument, is he actually the villain? Um, yeah, it, uh, it, it definitely, um, it reminds you very, very quickly and very um, uh, brutally um, how much of, uh, how harsh The Last of Us world is. Um, that really no character is safe. Uh, anything can happen and really everyone's just trying to survive. Well, the other interesting dimension of that scene is, you know, you're playing as Ellie, uh, the main character we've barely talked about yet, but we're playing where you're playing as Ellie for a few hours with um her friend Dina, and that goes on for that section of the game goes on for a while, and then the game cuts, and suddenly you're playing as a new character called Abby. Um and the gambit that the scene is doing is that you the game is forcing you to play as Joel's murderer beforehand, which is super interesting, and I thought that was it. I thought that would be it. I thought I was like, that is a really interesting narrative thing to do. It's kind of mean in its in its kind of um narrative device. Let's have let's kill off beloved Joel, but not only that, the player will play as the woman who kills him for an hour beforehand. But like little did I know that, that they had much more um much more up their sleeve, much more to say about this um this um premise of the protagonist of The Last of Us Two is a very interesting one and who you're playing as and who you're inhabiting. And like Owen said, there's many ways to skin a cat. You can play a game like uh, Mass Effect or um, Skyrim, and and you create your mm-hmm. character. You create Commander mm-hmm. Shepard's backstory, and then you you choose all their dialogue. And that is popular. And it's kind of when you think of game design, that it, but yeah, that is probably how you should do it. You know, the the the, the player should be have um, expression through their character. But like I said, there's many different ways to make a game, and I was very very. I found it very strange that so many people were kind of using this as a criticism because games should have authored characters as well. Like characters who are, are a person beyond the player. And that's what like Naughty Dog have been doing for their entire yeah. career, basically. basically. And But this is the most interesting time they've done this because this game forces you into the, to inhabit um, another character other than Ellie who you wouldn't, you know, expect to like, want to play as. And that... It, even when I was talking about all the direction the story goes in, I think that's really interesting to pull the rug on, on from under your feet and have you play, even at that beginning of that game, even if that's all it was, kind of stopping the game for a moment and saying, okay, play as this character for an hour. And the reason why? You've just played as Joel's murderer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? It, and do you know what? That was a criticism. And I was super shocked mm. of the ending of all things of the first game. There are some uh, arguments out there on the interweb about how, oh, I wouldn't have made that this, like Joel's decision. So therefore, I don't agree yeah. with what's going on in this game. So there is already a bit of a, um, uh, you know, a bit of prejudice going into the second game. But as Liam said, like there, there needs to be and there should be and Naughty Dog, you know, probably do it best for authored characters like it's. It isn't a Mass Effect. It isn't a. It has well. The second one has elements of an open world game, but it's you know the narrative and the outcome is chosen for you, and that's what I talked about, like being taken on the ride, you know, and you know you control the players on the ride, but you don't necessarily make yeah. their decisions that will impact them, right? But but that's why they're a great studio because they could have done the safe thing, where yeah, Joel is killed, and then the rest of the game is a revenge game. And it's just which, Ellie chasing down Abby. Which it yeah. is for hours. For, for hours, hours like, for sure. To the point where you feel like this is the game. 
Like, yeah. You know, which but, is great. But the, the great thing about Abby, who I must say, obviously for the first couple of hours, I just disliked her just in general because of what she did. I couldn't get over it. Hated playing with her. I was hoping that was going to end. By the towards the tail end of the game, I think not Naughty Dog had done a pretty good job for me, actually. I wasn't rooting for, for Abby, I would say, but I was kind of rooting for them maybe just to go their separate ways. Because uh, I, I, ha- I had grown to like her as a character. Did either did, did of you feel Loved that? Did you feel kind of... Yeah, Loved so, her. So, so, that's well, a huge success, then, I think, from, from Naughty Dog's point of view. Let's just talk about the, the, what the setup is post-Joel's death in that game. Mm-hmm. The rest of the game is set over three... Uh, sorry, the bulk of the rest of the game, not all of it, is set over, ne- over three days. And you play three days as Ellie, who's descending into, tell me the city, the American city? Seattle. Seattle. Seattle to um, wage revenge on the group of people who killed Joel, led by uh, Abby. You play those three days. And that is, I love an old revenge story. I love, I love Kill Bill. That's just so gloriously mm. about revenge. But I love something like Old Boy or the other Korean revenge films that show the kind of pointlessness of revenge and how it curdles and how it's just disgusting. Ellie's part part of the game. There's no like, <laughs> there's no big narrative arc to it. It just it's just a revenge tale that gets more disgusting and sad as it goes on. She doesn't. Her part of the game doesn't have a grand finale. It has her accidentally killing a pregnant woman and kind of losing her shit a little bit. But then it cuts back to three days before, and you play those same three days again as Abby. And this is not like I remember started playing that. I kept picking up new weapons for her, and you. And I was like, oh my, how long am I going to be playing um, as this character? And the truth is, for most of the rest of the game, and it was just as long as you played um, as Ellie. And when you ask, do I like Abby? Uh, like obviously not at first, but what the really clever thing that game does is that uh, like Ellie gets the horrible, disgusting revenge story. But then when you switch and you play as Abby, she has the more traditional story arc. She has like a kind of a story that almost mirrors the first Last of Us in a way. She has the that she's caught caught in this war between these two institutions. She has a big finale on a burning island, riding a horse. This big dramatic, this kind of ending. You are not not a pregnant woman being killed. It's a big dramatic ending, and. She meets up with a character who, like like Joel, learning to love Ellie. She meets up with a younger character, Lev, who she kind of, kind of learns to love and, has, and wants to protect, and kind of changes her as a person in the process. And I think there's a, the the tricks that they're doing to make you like Abby. I think are very transparent, but they work. I think they really work. Giving Abby the big kind of um, story arc and character arc like that really works. And I, I absolutely like Owen said there. I I loved her by the end of it too. I thought she was um a brilliant character and and it's a fascinating journey for a game like that to bring you on in terms of you know empathy like the empathy is coming from you the player it's asking you to play as this character who you hate because she killed everyone's favorite game dad and it's asking you to play as her for 15 hours and try to empathize with her if not like her or love her try to understand her and from her perspective who joel is who ellie is I wasn't like too. I didn't hate her too much, even from the very beginning of um, <laughs> as playing as her, which might sound really, really odd, um, because I think it just clicked with me what Naughty Dog was trying to do and trying to achieve. And again, right, I was like, I was on board. I'm like straight away, holy shit, this is you know what they're going for, and then kind of what I expected in terms of like you know kind of not predicting where it would go but having a sense of okay this is now 
what we're doing. So strap myself in for where I'm going to go on that story. It took twists and turns, especially with um, uh, Lev and the scars and all that religious cult side of um, side of the story. Um, I wasn't uh, predicting to see that level of of um, comparable parenthood between Joel mm. and Ellie. Um, yeah. But yeah, like uh, I yeah, I just I wasn't I didn't hate her like from the minute I started playing as her. Maybe you're just a uh, more compassionate <laughs> than me and maybe. Me. Um, <laughs> but w- one thing I did notice, uh, great points. But one thing I did notice about my time uh, with Abby um, playing Last of Us Two. Uh, well, something that we never talked about in The Last of Us 1 is uh, in any way negative, more of a positive, uh, and that's pacing. Um, we talked about how the first Last of Us was a, a brilliantly paced game, brilliantly paced story. Um, now, I really would be interested to hear your thoughts here because you both played it in very you know long, uh, long sessions. Um, I found the, the last quarter of the game, with Abby in particular, really did start to drag to a point where I wasn't as excited to go pick up a controller and start playing mm. it. I was kind of waiting. I was like, it, it just kind of felt like it's a problem that a game like Skyrim or Witcher has, where they're quite, the way they kind of, uh, I suppose, design quests is you think you finished the quest. And like, oh, no, no, you have to get five more flowers over here because these were the, you got the five incorrect flowers originally. And it just drags out the quest. I found The Last of Us 2 did that quite a bit. Um, where I kept thinking I was going to be getting to the aquarium or, or whatever it was, but then it was pushed out and I did another thing to deal with. D- did you folks find that kind of pacing was an issue, particularly in, in your kind of longer sessions? Well, I, I said in the last episode that I, I do agree with you that um, I think I think Naughty Dog were perfecting their pacing from The Last of Us 1 to Uncharted 4, and I think they sacrificed the pacing, but I think they did it on purpose. And it's um, it's a, it's an interesting debate, Um about about this game was like there's some choices they made in, in and I think I think they had narrative aspirations that they sacrificed some things for the main one being it's basic I do think it feels way it feels so long I, even Ellie's um, chapters yeah you feel like you're get, trying to get to that aquarium for so long I will say Marcy I thought Abby had the better set pieces so I think that. Mm kind of got me through her section even if i felt like the like how long is this game this game is like she, she has the sky bridge she has that descent down into that infected through that infected building um but a good um criticism that's been thrown at the game or sorry a good bit of kind of armchair game design which is kind of what we're doing here now that i've seen a lot is last of us 2's pacing could be um improved by doing one day of ellie one day of abby second day of ellie second day of abby and kind of do it that way and I agree that might like make the game actually more palatable in terms of how much kind of how long how long how long it is and kind of um, how long you seem to be just running towards similar buildings in both their stories. But narratively, that wouldn't work because the game would be too um, it'd be too clear what they're trying to do in, t- in trying to make you sympathize and empathize with Joel's killer. The game would if, if the game was structured that way, it would do all the work for you in kind of saying like, look, they're not so different, these two. They're they're both they're both main characters with depth and uh, motivations. No, you have to have that whiplash of I'm mm-hmm. not playing as Ellie anymore. Now I'm playing as Abby for 15 hours. And you have to kind of learn or not learn. Like there's nothing wrong with anyone who doesn't like Abby as a character. But you have to go kind of, well, that's what they're trying to do is kind of um, force you to play as her. And I think I completely agree with you that game it feels a little bit sluggish but I wouldn't change it. It's kind of what I'm trying to get at, I think. And I, my point on that, Marcy, is 
the there's the I think they want you as the gamer to mentally be and even physically be somewhere um, at the point in the story where the characters are. And at least that's how I felt. Right. So the near the end where um, Abby and Ellie uh, fight on the beach, I myself as the player, whilst uh, I think I text Liam this, right? And the one thing was you're playing as uh, I've read, you're playing as Ellie during that time. And on the beach, you are yes. on the beach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're playing as Ellie, and you know it's the, call it the final showdown. It's the winner takes all. And I like put down my controller. I physically put down my controller and said, "I don't want to do this." <laughs> and whilst they um, and as Liam said, they, you know they sacrificed probably some quality of life pacing, um, and maybe you know even some enjoyment for me from my headspace and you know physicality to be where Abby and Ellie were in that moment I was so exhausted um from playing the game that when I got to that moment I kind of you know fucking they were battered bruised almost beaten to death tortured I wasn't there but you know I I, I was in some aspect where I'm just like guys like let's just fucking chill you know what I mean like let's just you know <laughs> let's put it aside and I feel like that was part of the decision that Naughty Dog made when developing you know probably the you know I would say like the last third but they wanted to feel like a bit of a, a slog and I, I yeah. think that was done intentionally for better or for worse and again I, I think the conversations Liam and I had in our side chat around that time were like I totally understand why people would not enjoy this. Yeah. But at the same point, a criticism I don't understand is suddenly, with this game's release, suddenly people were really obsessed with um, player agency in these linear action games. You know, we've always kind of... Owen, you mentioned that people were kind of, you know, complaining at the end of Last of Us 1 where you have to kill the Doctor, you know, because that's Mm -hmm. what Joel would have done. But a lot of the conversation around The Last of Us 2 was like that the gameplay doesn't give you any option but brutality and violence. You You have to, like, kill and murder your way through this game. But I think that's... The point, like you, all, you, for years and years, for all of gaming history, we've been kind of meeting games halfway and how the gameplay is depicted in comparison to the actual story. And in Final Fantasy, when I played Final Fantasy VII as a kid, I understood that Cloud and his friends didn't live on a green map. That <laughs> that when I went out onto the world map, that the, the world just changed because that's the, the only way they could depict the world as graphics, the graphics of time. I, I understand that it might be a little bit unrealistic that Ellie murders a hundred people on her way to revenge but the sheer brutality brutality of it the the effort they put into making it the most viscerally violent game ever made or one of them reflects the narrative it reflects that kind of slog that kind of trudge through absolute misery that um the story is telling if you want and there's a character called jesse who's a big part of ellie's story who dies really suddenly and that's another criticism people people have said a lot of the deaths in it are cheap but if ellie is going to murder 
people more like I you the player as Ellie are going to murder people through that whole game and they, and they put a lot of effort into naming these enemies the enemies talk to each other they yeah. they, they, they have names they they have names they're for their dogs right? mm-hmm. they're they're extremely humanized if you're going to go to that effort um then it's almost like a as penance the story will also like the way you rip these 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 humans out out of existence the story is also going to rip characters out of existence in brutal sudden unfair ways and i think if you want to depict the last of us world as sudden and brutal and unfair what better way to do it than kind of have you been an agent of that brutality and also the story also kind of is brutal and unfair i think if characters didn't die suddenly and and um <laughs> and just kind of pointlessly the world wouldn't feel as kind of terrible as it is, you and, know? And see, that's the thing, right? I think, like, one of the interesting things about The Last of Us is, arguably, there's no villain except the situation that the people of that world are in. And as yeah. Liam says, it wouldn't feel as visceral if it wasn't, like, fuck, man, like, can you imagine living in that world? You know what it's I mean? like one like, of the worst. Like, even, even just those zombies are one of the, like, I'd live in a Romero zombie World where rats just a, oh, I just never live in a, a world where the rat king exists. I co- I couldn't live in a world where that thing is. Yeah, that, that was a great message from you that day. Actually, absolutely <laughs> terrifying. I've never been creeped out. But that, that's a, so on your point there, Liam. So mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of people were angry then with the ending, um, because yeah, you've been this brutal killer throughout the game, whether you're Ellie or Abby. Um, Ellie kills scores of people in the first game as well. And you've been going through the slog the whole time trying to, uh, you know, avenge uh, Joel. But then at the end, Ellie doesn't kill Abby. I have to admit for a second, I I, I was shocked first. And then I was kind of like, oh, what? That's, I feel like it's been taken away from me. But kind of, as you said, Liam, as as both of you said, after I kind of like, well, they're not my characters. This is a story. But do you understand, like, I'm sure you can kind of get the, the point of view why people were angry about Absolutely. that. Do you, do, Absolutely. Do you think it was the right ending? Do you think it was the right ending? I, for, yes, I do personally. Yeah. Because yeah. remember, there's another story being told as well. Like, Joel dies early in that game, but there's plenty of flashbacks that, um, that depict him. Um, and we kind of, during Ellie's part of the game, we get amazing flashbacks, I think. I think one of the most celebrated universally loved parts of that game is the museum, right? Where yeah, it's where Joel brings Ellie on her birthday in a, in a flashback. But um, the story. I, I, but it, can I interject? Yes. Uh, real quick, just because it's on that, right? So I actually, I, I loved the ending because you know I think people can take from it what they will, right? So it is also it's ambiguity in terms of where and like the headspace that ellie is in by not killing abby what does that you know what does that actually mean and and solve right so it's like for me uh i think it's comparable ellie is kind of um it's almost like an an addict you know what i mean like as in um to and that's when you look at her relationship with dina and where they could have, to be honest, they could have happily ended the game. And I think people would have probably been happier, or oh, should I say, it mirrors, might have been yeah. less divisive. When, I thought that um, was the ending when I was playing it. I yeah. Was so, so, you know, you're in this idyllic farmhouse with, um, you know, a young uh, young child. Um, you know, they're happy. But it's that, it's that um, internal DNA itch that Ellie has, like an addict, that she feels like she needs to fulfill. So you know by getting to you know call it like face to face with the bottle do you consume it and succumb to your addiction 
or by uh, you know acknowledging your addiction you're taking the next steps to be like i can i have hope here and that you know my outcome could be better so by you know by breaking you know for me i took away like the you know the game is very much about the circle of violence as well and uh ellie's addiction to that so by breaking the circle of violence and not um killing abby there's more hope in her life and then you know when she goes back when she goes back the damage of the addiction has already been done but you know, she's still so free. Yeah. She's still has free away, though. everything yeah. Yeah. is fucking taken from her it's gone. but yeah. now you know by acknowledging it at the very end of the game when she packs up and where she's going it's like you know that's hope mm. that's you know yeah. that i think it's progress of the character rather than um a regression and what I love is that, I, as I said, The Last of Us 1's ending is like one of my favorite endings of all time. So what I eventually end up loving about Last of Us 2 is that it is incredibly preoccupied with that ending for his entire run. The, the, the morality of the decision and Ellie's um, reaction to Joe. So the other story that's being told is in flashbacks is Ellie finding out about Joe's lie. And the game kind of makes you think when you're, when you're doing Ellie's revenge mission in the modern, in the modern period that... There's going to be a shocking moment where Ellie finds out what Joe lied to me. He's not the hero I thought. Uh, he 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 sacrificed the world to save me. Oh no, I'm on a revenge mission for this guy, but he did this. But no, Ellie knew already. Yeah. And the time that the point in the narrative where the game decides to tell you, the player, this changes the dimensions of Ellie's motivation. It kind of changes your kind of view of her. Like she knows all this, but she's still like going on this revenge mission. And I think they very purposefully saved a scene for the very end of the game, which flashes back to the last conversation Joel and Ellie ever have, ever have, um, mm-hmm. which is her deciding that maybe she can begin to start forgiving him. And that's the last time um, they see each other until the moment he dies. And I think it's very telling, Owen, in that, in that final um, battle with Abby, where she's drowning her in the water, that it's, joel in that moment who she remembers i think there's definitely the game is definitely saying something about ellie remembering that she had decided to forgive in that moment or something like that anyway oh that's a great point the silence <laughs> is because we were just so i was deep in thought <laughs> I, was reta- I was retaking that in um one thing you, you you um you mentioned in our last episode liam that caused outcry amongst our fans um, <laughs> the amount of mail we received was really quite amazing also very odd don't send mail um email, <laughs> nobody email. has our address so that's yeah, i, I was very strange you know how and i've moved um but you talked about last of us one not really having or not really being a true survival horror game and not having I listened, back to, I, I listened back to um that recording sorry i listened back and i was definitely harsher about a game that i absolutely loved and i intended but i uh, i meant all of it and i'm not gonna back, i'm not <laughs> well, gonna backtrack yeah. on any of it <laughs> well here's your chance to uh, to maybe revisit that do, do you think the last of us 2 is more of a survival horror game did it try to become more of one or did it continue to kind of distance itself from, from that and try to be its own kind of adventure thing? I, I still think it's more of an action game um but it's a much um more versatile game through its gameplay than the last of us one is i i i think i i've watched a lot of um I think Last of Us 2 is one of like the most interesting debates that have happened in, um, in, in the gaming culture in a while, in my opinion. And um, it was terrible at first. I want to get to that. But it was, <laughs> the conversation about Last of Us 2 was dog shit for about a fucking month. But um, now it's really interesting because it's so kind of divisive. A lot of people think it's dated in its gameplay. Like the whole, last of, uh, the whole Naughty Dog method is... Uh, 
of kind of um, a linear action game is a bit dated. But I think the way it opens up into these little sandboxes of um, <laughs> murder <laughs> or whatever, and just the variety in terms of the infected and the humans and the and the AI is so smart and there's dogs. I just think the amount of like um, variety and expression you can do in the gameplay in that game is um, makes it incredibly fun to just be in a, in a in an area full of enemies and take them out. Which I think the Last of Us One, like I said, oh, I'm gonna brick. I'm gonna throw a brick at a lot of people in this <laughs> in this in this area until until I win. I don't. I you know what? Sorry, I'm kind of dancing around the question. Yes, I don't. I wouldn't call it full Silent Hill, Resident Evil survival horror. But yes, I think the amount of things you have to kind of... The, the decisions you have to make of how you're going to use your resources is better in this one. Right mm-hmm. down to the... I love the way the fact that guns can have silencers, but they're consumables. Like, they're made of bottles and they do break. Making them as a decision. I, I, will I make this... Will I make a Molotov cocktail or will I have a silencer for the next half an hour of gameplay? That's stuff I like to see in games like this. Yeah. And I think All it right. definitely did it much better in Last of Us 2 than 1. Even things like with Abby having to to actually create her shivs as opposed to Ellie always having you know the little pocket yes, knife. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah, yeah. Great little touches like that are awesome. Oh, and as a as a huge fan of Naughty Dog and their their gameplay, what what do you think? Um, it's a great stealth game. Sorry, yeah. So that's, <laughs> no, Liam, you you took the words right out of my mouth. That's um, rude. I'm I think sorry. They put them back. They... <laughs> <laughs> it's very invasive. Um, it, no, they. I think they. It was a natural progression of the first game, um, in that uh, they upped this this the stealth of it, and it felt really really good to play. And this is this is one of the weirdest arguments that I see about the game is how people say that the stealth mechanics weren't good, um, and that it was cumbersome, and that the cover system never worked, and all this stuff. I was like, no, I disagree. I never ever Ex- had excellent. any issues. It has um, some of the I, best prone controls in a game yeah. ever. Is that a weird thing mm. to say? No, no, <laughs> just, no. I just no, have you compare it to like Metal Gear uh, F- yeah. 4? Fa- I think it was when they had the, like essentially the ability to like roll and do mm. shit yeah, on yeah. the ground and things like that. Um, I think I probably would have liked to see a bit more of the horror side in this. So one of the things that we spoke about was um, what's the evolution of the um, the bad guys? Um, you know the infected, um, and they kind of with this kind of thing. You know, you you draw yourself into a bit of a hole. It's like what is uh, uh, so the racking is the you know the natural progression of the um, I forget what the the one in the gym again um, bloater uh, bloater oh, yeah. yeah. So as in so, something that has just been. You know, there for one. so long Since from day, day one, one yeah, and it turns into yeah. like the racking, but like the in between, <laughs> you're kind of. <laughs> I know, it's funny. I hate it, man. But like the the, the in between, then and there, you're kind of in a situation. Uh, Naughty Dog is in is like it's very difficult to introduce a new variant type of enemy because within the lore and the world, it doesn't exactly fit right. So I think that's you know, in the first one, I felt that there was more. Um, infected kind of battles, um, which added to the horror element. In this, it was far more like a you know militia, you know I, I'd call it just a bit more on the military shootery side because you're seeing 
um, how the world has divided into religious cults and then, you know, different militia who own different parts of the city and how they fight and you're kind of you know, stuck yeah. in the middle. And I think um, on the whole, the encounters with humans are more memorable in this one than when infected, especially mm-hmm. the seraphites, um, scars. They're like just being, they communicate through whistles. That, like, that, that, that's such a little... That's such a great kind of um, piece of sound design just while you're playing. It, it, it's alarming to hear yeah, the whistles and it's creepy. And that, I, look, I saw a YouTube video about it. There's a whole language devised with those whistles of, of what they're saying to each other. It's a lot of effort. Um, but into like the, the clangers. I, like the clangers. <laughs> like what are the clangers, Marcy? Oh, we were talking about the British children's show clangers before we started recording, but we'll move on from that. We're talking about that, not the last of us here. Sorry. It, uh, for me, Marcy, it's, it's, this time around, it was far more of a... Of a stealth experience um but it's you know liam you you say that people say that naughty dog's design choices are outdated and uh, you know as someone who grew up with the you know the gamecube the ps2 that era i really like the linear progression of my games one i text liam yesterday i'm like yo this kenna bridge of spirits game which looks everyone is saying is like it's the best ps2 game that was never made during that period i'm like shit that's yeah that's for me that, psychonauts 2 as well was and psychonauts like it's yeah. like i you know i in my heart i love that type of of uh game design so it is you know it is catered towards me it is interesting seeing naughty dog take this more open direction and um i believe that on uh the last of us 2 the original scope was that they were going to make it an open world experience Mm. but they just couldn't figure out how to do it um because it's you know it's incredibly hard to to tell the story that they want to tell within that open world but you know they took segments and chunks of what they were looking at and i think it's seattle right i think it is seattle where you you do get to uh, explore um it's a couple of hours a kind of experience and that that yeah yeah very early and and you know that was cool and was a nice break, right? And we we talk about how them as a game developer almost learned from the previous experiences because that was so um, taken from Uncharted Four, wherein you're in mm-hmm. South Africa, I think it was, or wherever it was, and you have that like safari kind of experience where you can yeah. drive around this mini open map. Um, so yeah, and, and obviously you know we we know there's a TV show coming which we talked about uh, last time around which is very very exciting. But what do you think is next for The Last of Us? Do we want to see a third game? Has the story been told? Um, I'm kind of in Liam's camp where I actually felt after the first game they could have just left it alone and not followed up. (laughs) It feels Uh, the same. It feels the same. Like if they decide Mm. to not touch it again, I'd be perfectly happy. I thought that was a great ending and they finished the story um, that they set out to tell with this one. But I don't know. I trust them personally to come up with something else. But it's not on the top of my list of I need more The Last of Us now. I think we've kind of with, with... the last of us and then the dlc left behind and then last of us too i think that's a that could just be the be a great little series you know we don't we don't mm-hmm. need any more but i'll never say no to more last of us i think you said it liam right i think like i think that world is so rich and i think we've seen um so minimal of of what is actually there to explore well there's um, one thing i'm very interested in but um zach snyder got there first and towards the end of the game, you can read Ellie's diary and she's been traveling to California for months. And there's a passage that says, I passed Las Vegas and could just hear it sealed oh. off. I could just hear the infected inside. 
And I was like, oh my God, there's so many cool details to this world. I'd play a game. I played Last of Us sequel if they want to set it in Las Vegas, uh, a sealed, infected city. It was like an they, encampment where yeah. they blocked off Las Vegas. Yeah, and she was like, I went miles. Las Vegas. And Ellie says she went miles around it instead. But then, you know, I was like, that's a cool idea. And I bet they thought it was a cool idea too. But then Zack Snyder came along and did his uh, Las Vegas zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> but like, you know, I it's really, you know, you, you take Seattle, right? And you have the WLF, the uh, Washington Liberation Front, yeah, sorry, and the dub, the the scars who went off onto their island and created their own um, religion. The, yeah, exactly, and they had you know the prophet and, and what be you, but it's like that's just such a small part of what this lore and this world is. Mm. You know, as three boys from Ireland, again, wouldn't it just be fucking? Wouldn't it be <laughs> exactly? Never lived in a tree. But you know, you wouldn't it just be super interesting to see what that is like from just a different expe- perspective? And I think that's where they probably go with this series, like it, from you know tonally to gameplay wise, every, you know, kind of like The Walking Dead, really. You know, mm-hmm. you you mine it for different experiences because the world is so rich. I I'd, I'd like to see more Abby. I like the implication at the end of the game that Ellie may live a life of peace after this, maybe yeah. not happy, but peaceful. So I don't know if I want to see her thrust back into another adventure, but Abby ends in such a way where you could bring it in a lot of directions. I think. Yeah. Can we just talk about the, um, um, how, how the last of us two was, um, received. Cause I went into a bubble. So what happened was the last of us two's entire plot. Literally. L- yeah. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal movie. No, I, I, I uh, it, it, the entire plot leaked months before the game came out, mm. and I was like, okay, no more Last of Us in any of my algorithms then, because like you know, I really did care about that story. I really didn't want to spoil it for myself, so I just disappeared from any Last of Us corners of the internet. The game came out. I played it in three days, and I was like, oh, I'm excited to go online and see what people think about it. <laughs> what do what, maybe I'll get some reaction videos from streamers, you know, of the the big moments, and everyone seemed to fucking hate it. Mm. I absolutely hate it. And when we started this podcast back in February, I was like joking, half joking with you saying, I don't want to do Last of Us 2. It's too much of a hot topic. It's too much. It's, it's, it's too, there's too much controversy around it. And um, it's, I think there's some interesting things at play here. Okay. for I, I think a lot of people decided they hated that game because they read a spoiler and Joel died in it. Before yeah. he even played it. Before he even played it. And I, I, and I want to have... Because I think I want to, I, I I have respect for the discussion around The Last of Us, but people who decided to hate it from the spoilers are probably um, eating paste right now somewhere. That Babies? was an insult. That was that was an insult. insult but <laughs> but the the discussion around it when it came out was like so shit and so toxic for yeah. a while, and then it became really fascinating. Like I said earlier on, and I think it's good in my opinion, that a big AAA game came out and everyone just didn't just love it uniformly. That means it's kind of trying something, you know? You don't have to love this game. It, it, it's a great point because it says a lot about um, what the overall gaming audience is still like today. It's still a very immature audience. Um, yeah, because, I, yeah, th- there was lots of areas of hate. And I'm with you, Liam. There was, it led to great conversations eventually, but we had to get through the Metacritic review bombing where, you know, mm-hmm. it was 
it had you know zero point something before the game had even come out, or all the you know LGBTQ hate that came out of it as well. Which we absolutely, and like you, we'll you don't want to like you, you you don't want to say that everyone who didn't like Last of Us Two is you know some kind of bigot, but can't deny that a lot of the a initial of- a lot of initial hatred came from that horrible angle, and um, you know, and it was it was very strange <laughs> in the in the sense that I think. There's another part of it that I, I it's something that's happening in modern gaming that I'm very fascinated by. Ten years ago, I was like 22, and I was like, people watching people play games on the internet. What is this? This is a true gamer. You you have to play the game. But now it's such a part of the culture that I have different opinions about it. It's it, it, it's inevitable, and um, I think it's worth the conversation sometime. How I think this is going to start affecting game design. They know that people are watching streamers yep. play video games, and they're going to it's design it's, games. It's designed by community. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think a lot of people, I know, I know people personally have not played Last of Us Two. They've watched it online, and they watch. I know a girl, and she really liked it, but she watched PewDiePie play it. That was her, that was her kind of you know avenue into this game. And I think a lot of the streamers, the big ones, were the people who read the leaks and decided they didn't like it. And then if you go into that game with that attitude and you're not going to you're not going to change your mind, you 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 have you ha- you're going to have a shit time playing it and then the people watching it are going to see it filter through your shit time. And I think this is such a kind of thing that's happening in gaming now and I'm not saying it's it's a bad thing, it's just it's just a true thing and I think it affected the Last of Us 2's um uh, uh uh, kind of re- not reviews, but the day opinion about it for a while. I think there was a, a herd mentality to hate the game. Well, but- Liam, that's it's super interesting because I don't know if you guys notice. Um, after uh, uh, the Dead Space remake uh, announcement, they I sent you guys a video of like uh, it was like fifteen minutes of the developer walkthrough. Yes, yeah. and the two and the the creative director and and producer were walking through, you know, some of the early alpha footage and what the game would look like, etc. But after that, uh, the developers, EA Motive, really, you know, good studio, um, they are using a community council to help the development of that game, which is full of what you would call um, the thought leaders in streaming around Dead Space. So the Twitch community, the YouTube Play community, the YouTube gaming community, the Facebook one, that all of them have formed a council to help the development of that game. I, don't, I'm not, I think it's interesting. I, I'm not going to say it's like a, a bad thing, but it's, it's definitely something I don't think it's really conducive to making the most interesting game design you're going to make. For me, it seems like another hurdle in the culture that's come along to change the path of game design that I think will eventually affect it for the worse. But it's definitely interesting in, in the times we live in. And I just, want to, I just want to say in terms of Last of Us, um, if I don't think Last of Us 2 is a complicated game. Right, it's not. It's it's clever and it's different and it's interesting, but it's not complicated. And there was a lot of people on the side who liked it, who had this attitude of kind of like, "You don't like the Last of Us Part Two? You just don't get it. You just don't understand it." And I hate that too. I absolutely hate. It. So there's people on both sides who are really fucking annoying uh, in this conversation. And I, I, I think, but I do think the, the internet culture kind of um, destroyed Last of Us Two's reputation in a very interesting way. And I think uh, I, I think there's a lot of kind of loud voices out there who hated it for maybe kind of disgenuous, disingenuous reasons. 
I, I think time will serve it well, though. I think I the think, more I time think that passes. I yeah, think in five years and ten, and 10 years, people will rediscover this game. and Because you never remember, the people do not remember controversies in games. Mm. And you, you play the game and you just take it for what it is. I think it'll be rediscovered. Like, yeah, I think absolutely. We, I think our humble podcast will be on the side of truth. <laughs> it's a good game. It's a really good game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, on that note, um, what an enjoyable chat that was uh, with, with two lovely gentlemen. Obviously, because I'm hosting this week, it would be weird if we didn't do a quiz. If you were a fan of the podcast, sometimes I throw in a quiz because it's really stupid, um, but also because that was such a such a really serious episode. Maybe we can do something a little bit lighter. But also, I like testing and pitting Owen against Liam. Um, it's been a long, long battle. So today's a very simple one. Um, it's going to be a quotes quiz. I'm going to read you a quote from Last of Us 2, uh, and the first person to say their own name will get to answer. Um, and give it a go. Okay, so no tricks here. Just a straight up, straight up quiz. Uh, there'll be three questions with one tiebreaker at the end. I will do the voices to help you. Brilliant. Uh, have an idea of who it is, um, and, and and help you there. So wait until I finish the the quest or the the quote, and then say your name, and you can answer. Okay, so number one. <clears throat> I don't think I can ever forgive you for that, but I would like to try. Liam. That was Ellie. You did a weird voice for her. It was, correct. <laughs> well done, <laughs> Liam. Uh, you scoundrel. You scoundrel. Uh, that's fantastic. That's six and a half <laughs> points for Liam. Um, uh, quote number two. Uh, my friend's problems are my problems. <laughs> Liam. Go ahead, Liam. Tommy. Tommy, no. Owen, oh, can you come in and steal that? Dina. No, it's it's Jesse, um, and it's actually oh, yeah. it's, it's a quote I particularly love. I actually love. think it was your voice that just threw the voice threw off. I, 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 yeah. well, th- this one should help. What is the downside to eating a clock? It's time consuming. The fuck, <laughs> Liam. <laughs> Go ahead, Liam. Joel. He tells her that joke at the beginning. Correct. It yeah. is Joel. So she well loves jokes. done. She loves yeah, exactly. Jokes. It's yeah. A, it's a brilliant scene at the start, and um, where he mm. he fucks up trying to tell a joke about two or three times i also sounded really like mickey mouse there so apologies for that very good um yeah it was it wasn't supposed to be mickey mouse was it um but that's brilliant that means it evens it up uh to six and a half points each as we go into the tiebreaker that's the problem with Um, these quizzes man that's why i don't answer man it's better just to like (laughs) oh oh, no play the game Um, i'm so so foolish okay so let me just uh this quote's a bit of a tricky one so let me get this one right okay uh, Owen, <laughs> go ahead. The Rat King. No, What's no, happening? No. Is that the quote? Yeah, yeah, let me let me do it again. Let me do it again. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> uh. Oh, Owen. Owen, go ahead. <laughs> is it Owen? It is. Oh, when he's riding, when he's riding. No, no, it's no. It's, it's, it's actually Owen. It's Owen being shot in the chest. <laughs> I can't believe you got that right. Uh, well, congratulations, Owen. You've won your third or fourth, I think, quiz in a row now. Really uh, moving ahead of uh, Liam there. Um, mm. But anyway, everyone, thank you so much uh, for tuning in to episode 19 uh, of the Hater Listen podcast. Very excited that number 20. It's coming up soon. We don't do. Have we revealed the game? Do people know what the game is going to be? Look at episode ten and episode one. That'll be the clue. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sorry, Halo fans. I actually never played <laughs> Halo. 
Have you not? <laughs> not really. Not at length. Not at length. Oh, no. I, oh my god! <laughs> so much of your last of us two points has just gone down the toilet now. <laughs> um, but anyway, moving on to that. Uh, thanks everyone for listening, for tuning in. We'll be back uh, with episode twenty. Very very excited. Um, but from all of us as usual, thank you. Goodbye and good luck. Bye. Bye everyone. Thank you.